0: The Forum at 8 with Polanyi Guala. 7 minutes after 8, a very good morning indeed and a warm welcome to the forum at ATR on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader uh, as we mentioned we're talking about food security in this country Um, the uh, there was a 5 year study per- apparently conducted by the University of Cape Town looking at the issue of uh, food in this country it exposed a food crisis apparently that uh, according to uh, news reports constitutes a death sentence for many in which the government has labelled a uh, As as very, very serious indeed Let's talk about that then Um, Because the issue is that Even though this country produces sufficient food For its population Prices of food prevent the poor um, From getting adequate nutrition uh, we would like to know then what uh, interventions are being considered in this regard What is being done in order to ensure that um, uh, this issue is dealt with There was a report two a day or so ago uh, Quoting uh, the Department of Agriculture, F- Forestry and Fisheries As saying last week that 12 million South Africans are food insecure Now that's a lot of people 12 million South Africans are food insecure would like to get your thoughts then on this issue um, Send us a text message this morning at three four seven zero one three four seven zero one. But also, I would like uh, to take your emails at koalaxsabc.co.zae, koalaxsabc.co.zae, 891 104 is the number uh, that we'll talk about a little bit later on, um, uh, where where you can just uh, call me then, 891 let me introduce my guest on the program. I'll start in Cape Town in our Seapoint Studios. Uh, we are joined there by Dr. Jane Battersby-Lenard from the University of Cape Town's African Centre for Cities. A very good morning to you, Dr. Jane Battersby-Lenard.
1: Good morning and thanks for the opportunity to be here.
0: Thanks indeed for your time. I'm also joined on the line by Dr. Cesar Mkize. He is the Deputy Director General of Food Security and Agrarian Reform. A very good morning to you, Dr. Mkise.
2: Good morning to Kalani and good morning to the listeners.
0: Thank you. Also, uh, we are joined uh, from Cape Town by Mohamed Kaji, Managing Director of the Food Bank South Africa. Mohamed Kaji, good morning. Morning to you and uh, to the listeners. Thank you very much. Let's start with the study then conducted by the University of Cape Town, if we may, Dr. Barris B. Leonard. Uh, What was the study about and what were the findings?
1: Yeah, so the initial study was, was to look at the levels of food insecurity in our cities. Um, we worked in 11 cities in southern Africa, just trying to understand what the challenges were, how how many people were, were going without, um, what were some of the causes, what was the seasonality. So we found um, in these 11 cities an average of 70, 70, 77% of households were struggling to access sufficient food. Um, in Cape Town that was at 80, 80%, was in Zendusi up at 87%, and in Joburg at 43%.
0: Let me just pick up on Cape Town because it would be quite, uh, uh, Cape Town is, is a, a relatively rich, middle class city. To have 80% of the people struggling to have access to food is, 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 is quite dramatic.
1: Mm. Now in our study we focused on lower income areas of the city, so, so we didn't capture the experience in wealthy areas. But it does seem that the problem is significant. Um, We know it's related to poverty, we know it's related to inequality, but we also think there's an element of of geography um, and market structure in these things that that drive the process.
0: So you say 77% of the people that uh, were surveyed uh, had problems accessing food, but what does that mean?
1: Yeah, so in our survey we used a, um, a tool called the Household Food Insecurity Access Scale, which basically asks a series of eight questions, starting with, are you worried about going hungry?, but all the way down to are you reducing meal sizes, are you reducing meal numbers, are you absolutely going without. And so it's a, a scale that's been devised internationally and used, rolled out around the world. Um, and so d- to give you an example, what severely food insecure means mm-hmm. is that they've reduced meal size often um, often running out of food, going to bed hungry, or going the whole day and night without eating.
0: And, and you found that 77% of the people then, what, go to bed without food?
1: Um, would have experienced that within the last month at least.
0: Is the problem getting worse, or or has it always been like this?
1: It's difficult to say. There haven't been these longitudinal studies that have looked specifically at food insecurity. Um, We think that the the problem gets worse at these periods of of high food price inflation, such as we had in 2008 and as we're currently experiencing.
0: Now, you say Cape Town 80%, in Sundus, in Natal 87%. But what is the average, do you think, of all the cities that you surveyed? Uh, do, do you get that uh, it, it's hovering around that percentage?
1: Yeah, it seems to be hovering around that percentage. Um, again, we, we've only worked in three cities in South Africa. The other cities were, were in the rest of the region. Um, but we would imagine that the problem across South Africa in our urban areas is is the same.
0: All right. Let me bring in Dr. Mchiza. Then, Dr. Mchiza, seventy-seven percent of all households surveyed were either moderately or severely food insecure. Uh, what is the reaction?
2: Uh, I must say that I haven't seen that report. However, it is so true that uh, about twenty percent of uh, South Africans are vulnerable to food insecurity, uh, and and here I think we need to understand vulnerable, they can go hungry anytime depending on the situation that arises. So uh, much of the study e- has been done, but uh, we are also equally aware that we have that challenge of food, set, food insecurity in the country.
0: Uh, what do you attribute it to? Um, is it, is it um, because people don't have money, they're too poor to afford their food? Um, or are the prices, as I mentioned at the beginning, going up?
2: uh it's two things uh food security is basically food availability and food and affordability to buy food so you will come across situations where people just cannot afford food because of the food prices particularly uh as our colleague has said uh the food price hikes in 2008 as well as uh late last year uh, and, and you also have a situation whereby there's just not food available to the people and that is uh, mainly the, the, the problem with people in isolated rural areas where people can uh, cannot produce their own food and uh, particularly for those people in informal settlements in big cities.
0: Now, Dr. Mkhize, you're talking about 20% of South Africans that may be food insecure. Is that number going up, or is it steady, or is it decreasing?
3: I think it has
2: been steady for some time now, but of course, vulnerable means they can go hungry anytime. It doesn't mean that they are hungry now. They are just vulnerable to food insecurity.
0: And and, and uh, Mohammed Kajee, let me bring you in this discussion. Then, what are your experiences around the vulnerability of uh, the the uh, of poor South Africans? Uh,
4: yes, I think uh, w- when we look at the uh, the issue of vulnerability, uh, in our opinion, um, we we were always under the impression that uh, people in the rural areas were a lot more vulnerable. But that's kind of negated by the studies that Dr. Battersby has done, and showing that the issue is as critical in the in the urban centres.
0: And and perhaps a point to discuss a little bit, if we may, Dr. Battersby, that that you you found that uh, this is an urban problem as much as it is a rural problem.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Historically, we've always thought of it as being a rural problem, and I think we've always thought of the the heart of poverty as being rural, but increasingly we're seeing urban poverty as being a a challenge and and urban food insecurity following that. Um, I'm not sure we can assume that the same causes are are necessarily there in urban and rural areas. So there's been studies that, that have looked at vulnerability to food insecurity in rural and urban areas around the world and have found that households may be wealthier in urban areas but are as vulnerable to food insecurity. So there's something also going on within the urban system that's making people vulnerable to food insecurity. But
0: but again you said that the methodology is an international methodology here. Are you able to compare us with with other middle-income countries? Um, uh, Are we worse? Uh, Dr. Bereson? Sorry, yes. Um,
1: Are we worse or not? Um, Again we need to understand the sampling strategy that different cases have done. So it's quite difficult to, to make these blanket comparisons. Mm. Um, but from the work we've done, the South African case is comparable to, is comparable to, say for example Botswana, say for example Zambia.
0: And, and that includes the fact that there is more um, food insecurity prevalent in urban cities as opposed to rural areas. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you see that in, in in other countries such as Botswana and Zambia as well. Yes. My lines are open, by the way. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight. And 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 um, would would like now to talk, uh, Dr. Mkezzer, about the interventions, the proposed interventions, in order to deal with this problem.
2: Uh, government uh, is doing a lot to try and address the situation. Uh, various government departments are playing some role. Uh, We have programs that are already underway, and we also have ideas that have been developed to manage the situation and, if possible, eradicate food insecurity prevalence in the country. Uh, The social grants, for instance, is one of the well-known programs in the country to ensure that people do get uh, money to be able to buy food, Uh, But we also have uh, a number of programs at national level as well as at provincial level uh, whereby we encourage and support people to produce their own food. Uh, If you think that our biggest problem is not necessarily inadequate food at national level, but it is unavailability of food at local level, then you will understand why Government is approaching this problem in in many different ways. Hmm.
0: Uh, Mohamed Kaji, uh, the interventions, are they clearly, uh, they they would be uh, inadequate at the moment. What else needs to be done?
4: Uh, I I think the intervention, uh, there are two interventions. One is obviously the the role that we play, and that is looking after uh, the hungry on a daily basis. But uh, if one is looking at sustainability, and I think this is where the Department of Agriculture is, is getting involved, uh, it involves the uh, uh, empowerment of small-scale farmers. Uh, and a lot of them are out in the rural areas. So it's about getting these farmers to be uh, better equipped and better trained to produce food that's, that's needed. Mm. And uh, we're doing a project, for example, in KwaZulu-Natal, where we're looking at providing then the logistics and the marketability of the produce uh, through using the government uh, procurement program. So that's more on the sustainability of uh, dealing with the issue and this complex issue of uh, food insecurity.
0: Let me take some calls here. Um, uh, Let me go to Justin in the Eastern Cape. Hello, Justine. Morning. Hi, Todani. Hi, I'm
5: more worried that it is a surprise that it's this case um, scenario because uh, we've got a face that we've all talked about urbanization for the last 10 years or so mm. and most of the people moving in um, don't have skills and um, are being provided uh, low-cost housing um, and just because you have a house doesn't mean you have the, the means to actually feed yourself. So I'm not saying that there's a problem with providing houses, I'm just saying it shouldn't be a surprise that we have this scenario um, and I think what what is more worrying is that current planning guidelines and the current design of a lot of townships are basically still apartheid based. Where we should be having community gardens, we should be having things like uh England where you have these lots that you get uh sort of leasehold for twenty years where you, it's not necessarily on your doorstep, it might be two kilometers away from your house, but you get to have that little lot indefinitely as long as you want to farm it. And and using those sort of models to get and then you can actually do your agricultural ed- education in a more um densified manner as well because you're actually doing it to urban livers. and mm. um, so i think we should be focusing on community farming uh, in an urban environment sure. um, and i know there are a lot of ngos trying to encourage this on church sites and the like but we should be f- providing more community spaces within
0: new housing developments to do the same dr pettisby what do you think about what justin is saying
1: i think there's certainly Meriton, what Justin is saying, um, we do need to think about planning for food security. Um, the problem we, we found is that although community gardens seem to be the obvious solution to, to a lot of the people we worked with, they they weren't. So we found less than 5% of our sampled households were actually growing any of their own food. So there seems to be some some resistance. It, it may be around a lack of support. It may be around a lack of access to, to ongoing resources. It's very easy to start a garden. It's harder to keep it going. Um, but there's also maybe a, a lack of... Of desire. Um, my other concern with this is that if we're looking at the food problem as being a, a systemic problem, a, a challenge that's around the design of the food system, mm. um, then we seem to be putting the onus of solving the problem onto, onto the people who are least able to, to cope. Um, I just want to pick up on, on Dr. McKee's st- statement about social grants yeah. as a, as a solution. And you know, one of the things we found is that social grants have been very important. Um, they provide income stability, which enables you to plan buying your food better. If you don't know where your where your money's coming on a week-to-week basis, mm-hmm. you buy in an ad hoc banner, you buy foods that are going to keep you going, but you can't plan. So the social grants provide that stability to help people to plan and therefore to buy better.
0: Interesting. All right, I'm going to get my other guests as well to, to respond to that call. Sfiso in Johannesburg, good morning.
6: Yes, good morning, Kolani, and uh, good morning to your guests and everybody who's listening. Yeah, uh, Kolani, I'm coming from an organisation that we deal with issues of food security. Now, I'd like to uh, say that on um, on the 11th of December, uh, 2012, there was a public notice, uh, an application for the general release of genetically modified maize. I'm taking a slightly different angle to what you're talking about. It, it still dealing with. Food, food security. Mm. A company called the Dupont Pioneer mm-hmm. um, published a public note to say that, that they are planning to release genetically modified maize into the whole of the environment of South Africa. They're releasing a, a strain called tc 11507 1, mon 810 mk 603 yeah. Now these are hybrid strains of maize. I have subsequently, we have subsequently, as our organisation, written an email to Dr. Uh, S.M., I think it's Dr. S.M. Key from yeah. the Department of yeah. um, Food and guess, Forestry, yeah. Fishery, and also a uh, Dr. Modisani. I haven't had, we haven't had any response from them. Now, you see, the issue of genetically modified food at uh, Polani is going to affect everybody because now what happens is if you consume any food that is corn-based or corn-boiled products, you're going to be consuming genetically modified food. Right. Now, what is happening is South Africa is a signatory of the World Health Organization. Under the World Health Organization, there is something called the Codex Principles. These come to me, this concept of cooperation, I'm talking about, is in violation of those principles because they have okay. not consulted the public and they have not
0: also done tests. All right, Suiza. Alright, uh, the reason why I allow Spiso to to go on about this particular issue is that he's not alone. I've got a couple of SMSs also pointing out the, that, uh, in fact, there's one from Deporfa who says, government must come clean with uh, GEM seeds. Uh, they did not tell our rural farmers that they are expensive and you can't use them again. Um, so, so, Dr. Mkiz, there are these issues, even though it may be um, one issue, but clearly a lot of people are worried about that. Uh, how do you respond? Uh,
2: I, I think... Uh Here we need to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. GMO uh, material is screened in South Africa. Before farmers can use it, we do a lot of screening. We don't just allow it into the country and or make use of it without having to do due diligence. And uh, I am not sure the letter that uh, the caller is referring to. But uh South Africa has a very good policy when it comes to GMO material and and uh, we we are content that whatever we release to the public it is something that is safe and uh there will be reasons why we allow it to be used by the public. Sometimes GMO material is better than the traditional primitive uh, varieties but at times our own varieties that we have used for centuries are better than the gmo material so it depends but we don't actually allow anything that is unsafe to be used by public okay. uh, that would be an mistake. that 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 any government would do
0: in the world. I suppose on the back of that, there's an SMS here, Dr. Mkize, and you may just quickly want to respond to it for me. Uh, It says, are your guests aware that the MRC is currently in the process of closing a department focused on nutrition research? What are their views on that? Are you aware? MRC? Yeah. I suppose it's the Medical Research Council.
2: Uh, I'm not aware. That could be the case, but if at all, they've had uh discussions with relevant authorities I'm sure there will be reasons why they wouldn't be supported but if they haven't done so I'm sure they can still knock at any door within authority mm. Institutions and, and negotiate their situation.
0: All right, uh, a couple of other SMSs, and I'm, I'm going to go back to the lines. By the way, in a minute on 089110428, 089110428. Um, uh, questions that uh, and there's an email I read a little earlier on about the role of uh, the retailers, the chain stores here. Petty in Moy River says, How can the huge chain stores be allowed to make billions of rand profit? Why not fix the profit margin? Uh, but also, there is another one uh, that came through from Nick who says, Ask supermarkets about rebates suppliers are forced to pay, which add up on to 20% to costs when dealing with the retail chains, which is inflationary. Uh, and that email uh, that I read before, the news at 8, uh, also talking about that, it came through from Cathy, who says in yesterday's Pretoria News Business Report, there was an article about the profit food shops had made in the past year and then quoted ShopRite Holdings, uh, which made 4.6 billion rent profit. Uh, perhaps is that, is that uh, the route to put some questions through there around uh, those, those profits? Dr. Beresby, do you think uh, those questions are fair?
1: I think we certainly need to to talk about the role of of the large chain stores in in food security um, just on the shop I would imagine a large amount of that profit is actually coming from their expansion into the rest of the continent so it's not necessarily just South African um, market that's being reflected there um but we do need to ask questions so we've done some research looking at supermarket distribution and we, I mean we know what the logic of a supermarket is and they they're, they're a, a profit seeking entity so they have a they're not there to to meet food insecurity and, and to address that challenge. But we found in Cape Town that the highest income category areas had seven times better access per household than the lowest income areas. Um, and so if we're expecting that the supermarkets are going to be able to feed the country, we need to think about the market rationale and where they where they locate.
0: Uh, uh, Mohamed? Yeah. Especially on 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 the food chain issue, uh, a lot of people are saying. And by the way, we spoke to we spoke about the, the the farming issues in this country a couple of weeks or a week or so ago, and people were raising exactly the same question. That a lot of money uh, goes through the, the the well, it's taken o- by the uh, supermarkets, and that it doesn't even flow back to the farmers who are supposed to be uh, producing this food. What are your thoughts, there, Mohamed? Uh, yeah, I,
4: I think that uh, the, the issue of uh, of food wastage in this country is just something I'd like to touch on, which is kind of linked into this whole issue of profitability. Uh, in about uh, March last year, the CSIR did a study. And uh, notwithstanding the fact that we have 12 million food insecure people, in South Africa we are dumping 9 million tons of food per annum. Now that is translates to 9 billion kilograms of food and some are uh, connected with this is the issue of profitability and, and, and price main, maintenance. Uh, so a lot of food, and, and interestingly in the country where we produce a lot of food, uh, the agricultural production sector, uh, they comprise 25, 26% of this food food wastage and food dumping. So I think there's, there's quite a complex issue and an issue that we need to look at uh, you know, connected
0: to the issue of food insecurity, this issue of food wastage. Right. Let me read some SMSs. I'm going to take the news now at 8.30 and and then get responses. Somebody says, uh, it's Errol in Marisburg, who says, the, the hunger we see is mainly caused by our high unemployment rate. So long as that exists, then we won't be able to solve the situation. And also, the fact that we may lose control over our seeds because of contracts and agreements with GMO seeds providers is absolutely terrifying. Um... Also somebody says uh, Monsanto soya killed every other producer in the states because it has a patent and you are not allowed to replant the seeds from your plant that uh, an SMS coming through just a short while ago as well. Food insecurity will always be there in South Africa as long as our people considered those who plough to produce their own food as backward and old-fashioned people. That's pure in KZN. Daniel in Port Elizabeth. There's always food insecurity, but never uh, beer insecurity. That's according to uh, Daniel in Port Elizabeth. Water is a major crisis and cost. That's according to Anthony uh, on SMS. Um, Also Aaron in uh, Seapoint says a gem squash, a banana and more. Uh, that is food could be bought instead of junk. Government must come clean. We saw this one. Government allowed GA gem seeds which are expensive and unsustainable. That's from Jeff. Um, the unions are making food go because of their continuous strikes which drives up prices. That's uh, an SMS which goes on to say ban unions. Democratic Alliance. Democratic government is giving people farms without resources. Training. That's Barbie. Seven, it's 8.30 now. Let's take the new news headlines and when we come back we'll continue taking your thoughts on this issue of food insecurity about 12 million people are said to be in food insecure in this country what are your thoughts what are the interventions what are your proposals 0891 oh, 104 oh, 28 abc.co.za the forum at eight with Colani guala food insecurity, that's uh, what we are talking about here on the forum at 8, of course a study um, by the University of Cape Town uh, which uh, found that uh, those who sur- were surveyed uh, 77% of all households were either moderately or severely food insecure in this country, what then needs to be done? Uh, D for instance on SMS says government should stop child grants and hand me, uh, and hand out more info on family planning just to many people on our fragile earth, GMO maize causes cancer. Many studies have shown this GMO is about food control. That's KP. Let's go to Peter in Grahamstown, a farmer. He would know a thing or two about how to ensure that we have enough food. Peter, hello. Peter Wiley. Where's Peter Wiley? Peter Wiley, are you there? Alright, problem there. Uh, I think Peter has um, gone somewhere. Mike is in Newlands. Hello, Mike. Oh. Okay, our lines there giving us a bit of a problem. 0891104208, 0891104208. Let me go to to the emails then to uh, look at one or two emails. There is a uh, is it Kwezi, Jonas who has also sent me an email this morning. it says once again, Shoprite is the main culprit here. The commercialization of food distribution might be a world phenomenon, but it doesn't make it right. Shoprite makes more profit than 80% of other South African major corporations. Why is that allowed? I do not expect them not to be paid for services but they can't be allowed to hold the country to ransom in order, to, in order for them to make a profit. Farmers and workers are fighting over wages, but the real culprits there, uh, once again, these retailers. These retailers should not be foreign-owned in the main, they should be in the hands of the masses. Uh, Whitey person makes 623 million rand two years, or made uh, 623 million rand uh, two years ago in one year. I propose the regulation of the pricing, just like we regulate fuel prices. And perhaps Dr Mkhize, please come in, in terms of food distribution, the channels and so on. What are your thoughts? Uh, it is.
2: Through what uh, Dr. Kajia said, uh, the biggest problem in this country is the logistics and the distribution of food. Most of the food is is, is wasted through rotting after, after harvest. Uh, why? Because uh, it becomes expensive for a farmer to distribute uh, perishables, uh, widely in the country and that's why we have this uh, situation where by, at national level we are food secure in terms of how much we control, we, we produce and uh, how much we are expected to consume but as you go down to the communities at local level there is not enough food why because food production is concentrated in those areas where it is uh, suited to produce certain uh, crops and or types of livestock uh, and, and to move food from point A to point B where it is consumed becomes expensive and that's why we have this problem and uh, if we can address the problem of logistics as well as uh, of course people being able to afford we would have done enough to address the situation, uh, I must also say that uh, government has a number of programs. EPWP is one of the programs that government introduced a few years ago to ensure that uh, people have income. But of course, uh, there is not enough resources all over the world, uh, and and we cannot be expected to have everyone employed.
0: Actually, the employment uh, figure keeps ticking up. Uh, Anne is in Somerset West. Uh, Hello, Anne. Hello. Hi.
4: I'm very concerned because
1: I know someone who's on a disability grant, and they check every year to see if they're still genuine and still alive and all that sort of thing. But they, they cut them off sometimes for three months without, you
4: know, how they expect them to live without a grant. Hmm. I find that really strange <laughs> Alright,
0: okay. and thanks I'll get my guest to respond there um, Do you know what's happening in that regard, Dr. M'kize?
2: Uh I have no idea but I know that uh, every now and again uh, government will check uh, who is on the roll who gets the grant and they want to make sure that uh, seekers are managed properly but I'm not sure of specific situations I would have to check with Possibly the Department of Social Development. Our colleagues there will probably have some response to that question.
0: Food insecurity is only a myth to hide economic greed. The unhappy must go, says wise Wiseman. Um, I've tried growing vegetables in my back garden, not as easy as it sounds, and it, uh, the yields are smaller than one would think. That's Daniel and Port Elizabeth. Uh, but also somebody says food insecurity yet there is a challenge of obesity in this country, please explain, says somebody. Do, Dr. Battersby, would, would you be able to explain that?
1: Yeah, it's actually very easy to explain, I think. Mm. Um, you know, in the same areas that we're seeing chronic malnutrition, we're also seeing rising obesity rates. And it's because the wrong kinds of food are getting consumed. Um, it's cheaper to, to buy um, sort of high-calorie, fat-dense foods than it is to buy, to buy better foods. And so a lot of people are struggling to survive and are eating what they can afford and what's readily available on the street. And so people are eating badly. So you can be perfectly fat and yet also perfectly malnourished.
0: Hmm. All right. uh, uh, Peter in Grahamstown is back on the line. Peter? Yeah,
3: Kalani, can you hear me now? Yeah, loud
0: and clear. Go ahead, please. Great.
3: Look, uh, I've got three points. Let me start with the bottom line. Uh, If you you look carefully at countries which, uh, which starve, they're basically undemocratic countries and the better your political system the the less it is likely that people are going to starve. It goes hand in hand with poverty because with a good government you've got well well employed people, well motivated people, secure farmers and if you look at the example of Zimbabwe above us enormous potential with regards agriculture but look what they've done and look at at the country it's totally bankrupt and the people I'm sure, are starving there, I don't know, I haven't been there. But uh, uh, starting with the first point that I made here, uh, on a macro scale, it's basically sustainable use of ground and appreciation of good farmers and secure farmers. Now, yesterday I I commented and uh, I'm going to ask if uh, you or Voyo can get... The opposition view on land use, because I've just read the the paper written, and I've just received a 40-page thing from Athol Trollope. Hmm. There is a view on land, and uh, farmers have got to be made to feel secure. Uh, Good farmers have got to be appreciated. On a micro scale, Hmm. it's a mindset thing. Uh, you've, You've lost the urge to grow things. One of your commentators said that it's not so easy to grow vegetables. Quite true. You've got to build up your soil for a long time, but basically people have lost the urge to grow things
0: because... Uh, you you, uh, you and, know what's complex g- about South Africa, Peter? Is right. that uh, what, what is complex about South Africa is that uh, our farmers are producing relatively enough food, uh, sufficient food for the population, but it's just that it's not getting to the people.
3: Well, look in, in our particular case, you or someone else from SAFM, when you're in Grahamstown, should come and see what we're doing We've lost, I've said time and again, we've lost our best piece of ground, but we produce food in excess to the extent that we give it away in the in the one of the worst droughts in 2010 I can give you the figures we gave hundred and twenty four thousand rands worth of milk to the Grahamstown feeding association okay. now why okay. this morning I'm working hard on the water system now let me tell you one of the, uh, the, the 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 very nice man who comes and collects this milk here I said well you must be dealing with some strange people when you hand it out he said yes he said they're very rude and he said they're very ungrateful he said the one guy actually said you must tell the whineys that we want a Christmas bonus. Now, the, you've got this culture of entitlement. Yeah, mm-hmm. these people are getting the stuff for nothing from us, but they want a bloody Christmas bonus, man. Right? You've got to change your mindset.
0: All right, right got Peter. All right, I've got to thank you very much. Let me move on. Now, let me uh, talk to Hassan in Lynesia. Hello, Hassan.
7: Hey, uh, you know, let me just uh, deal with this, Peter, one. It wasn't my intention. You know, it is laden with such assumptions of superiority is not funny. He says, I'm sure, but I don't know. How can he say that about Zimbabwe? Let me raise the following issues. I've had occasion, let's say, to to live very shortly uh, outside our own country. The prices of our supermarket are comparable to those in Barcelona and in in Europe. Mm. It's obscene people earn far less so there's a whole concentration and i really think the people they're advocating for this must work with others who are trying to deal with this issue of corporate power the second issue is that what you find in europe and elsewhere which we don't have here are decentralized local markets Right? Why is it in Lanesia or Eldos or Soweto, there are no Tuesday markets where the direct producers can sell to people? That's the reason why, why the prices are also so high. So clearly we need to deal with this. It's a political issue. It is quite controlled. And clearly those who are milking us must be dealt with. Then finally, mm-hmm. for the minister, when you talk about GMOs, and yes, we've got this, uh, he's kind of glib talking about, yeah, we, we, we check things out. If things prove to be bad for farmers, will he and the cabinet take responsibility first. They must suffer first before all of us are asked to pay again.
0: Right, that's, uh, that's Hassan in Lenasia. Uh, Dr Mkiza, let me, ask you, let me ask you to respond to what uh, particularly uh, Hassan is talking about. Because And there's a couple of other SMS's, by the way, um, talking about supermarkets. Ricky in Durban says, uh, Sir, um, please note, supermarkets have a low markup, but may receive a kickback on bulk buying um, and, and suppliers sharing advertising. Um, but also another one says, the argument, this is the argument Dr. Mkiza that you raised, the argument of logistics being a contributor to food wastage is not sound when there are no logistical issues for many other non-food products. Please explain. Please ad- address those questions, Dr. Kinkiza. Uh
2: Let me start by saying uh, food commodities are, are not regulated in terms of price in this country. In many cases, our farmers are price takers. Uh, They pay for production inputs, but when it comes to prices that they get for their commodities, their decision is very limited. Uh, And and it makes it hard for the farmer to remain on the land. But, uh, again, uh, we don't have a system whereby every commodity on the shelf is regulated in terms of price, and and that's why elsewhere people will be complaining about high food prices and or uh, the fact that they cannot afford what is there on the shelf. Uh, the other question around GMO and and and, and, and as the caller has indicated, uh, look, we do have platforms in this country. You don't want farmers to get out of business just because uh, we allowed some variety to be used in the country and farmers find themselves with challenges and or difficulties to sustain their operations so but i think those situations are few and very far apart where farmers would be complaining about that in most cases, the GMO material is is is, is a good yielder. Uh, yes, it is so true that, uh, particularly with maize, you cannot use the same crop as your seed again the following season. And and for people who are so used to keeping their own seed after harvest, it becomes a, a, a some kind of shock. And 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 we are aware of that fact but again if they were to use that uh crop as seed surely the yield will decline mm. uh, but i think it is not true that part of the reason why we don't have enough food at local level I must emphasize at local level is because of the GMO material that,
0: that so, is used in the country but I would really like uh, you to and I'm going to go to uh, my other guests as well and see if they have a uh, response to what Hassan was talking about because if you travel the continent and elsewhere I mean even in Europe and, and the Middle East as well there are local markets where you can go buy directly from the producers but he's making a point that you go to Lens, you go to Soweto you go to Gwalanga you go to and we don't have those in this country why not
2: uh, that is a business decision uh i am nobody says we cannot establish those uh, mini markets in in all our communities. it is possible but again even the if those mini markets have to get their produce some kilometers away. 50, 80 kilometers away. By the time it gets to the Shelf, it it will be quite pricey, and and it is a fact. I think government is basically saying food must be produced locally, particularly the perishables must be produced locally, mm. and and that will then uh, minimise the cost of. Food fuel uh, and or the price that okay. we have to pay for having transported produce for such long distances. Uh, uh,
0: Mr Kaji, please, uh, y- y- your overall impression, uh, very important points have come through on the lines and Is What are your thoughts?
4: Sorry, Kalani, was
0: that... Uh, yes, uh, to you. Uh, I would really like you to just respond to what what we've heard so far. Yeah, I
4: think the, the issue of... Uh, you know, I, I certainly cannot speak about the issue of GMO, but uh, I think accessibility to food uh, is going to go a long way in, in alleviating this issue of food insecurity. And, and I think, like one sees overseas, uh, you know, people have readily access to to fresh fruit and vegetables by having small small markets in the suburbs. Um, I think it it it's, it would focus us to to uh, eat a lot more healthy and to eat better, and uh, and certainly uh, reduce the cost of the of the products if it is uh, if you are able to produce locally and then sell locally uh, by simplifying the food chain.
0: Right, let me take a break. Um, uh, I've got a couple of callers on the line, also emails and SMSs. I will look at these in a minute. And, and also just uh, go back then to Dr. Jane Battersby, get her, get her thoughts about what we've heard so far. Uh, you with AM Live on SFM. The Forum at 8 with Kalani Guala. Let me read this email, uh, Dr. Battersby, before before I go to you. It says, does this study show what informs this? It uh, comes from uh, Mvosis. He says, my main problem with this type of research is that usually it ignores the real factors contributing to the nature of our socio-economic fabric. All of us want to have uh, hallowed uh, and hearty South Africans. Uh, at issue is that we are now reaping the fruits of neglecting traditional ways of living and uh, in relation to producing food. We deserted plantation fields, we desert growing our own food, all because of urbanization. The only solution to this is if we all go back and produce our own food. Growing our own food is the best thing to do. Even if we reside in urban areas, we have alternative methods to grow food. The treatment used to produce food such as fruits, vegetables, uh, meat and other things um, have an impact on our health. Clearly, now this method threatens food security in uh, Bisho. What do, you, what do you say to that, Dr. Barrasby?
1: And I think the reality is that, that we are in an increasingly urbanized world, and, and although we can imagine a, a, a very different world, I think trying to get there is, is very different. Um, so I, th- I think we need to take cognizance of, of the reality in which we are currently living, um, and attempt to understand how to improve the system that we have, rather than looking for a utopian s- system that, that, that is unviable within the current um, political and social arena. Um, But I mean, just coming back to some of the points that have been raised by by the listeners, this idea of the decentralized local markets, we do see an awful lot of of informal traders operating in low-income areas, and we've seen that when we've we've done analysis that the fresh produce traders working in those areas are often selling fresh produce that is both cheaper and fresher than than the food that's coming into the supermarket. So there is is a viable local market. Um, It is potentially getting getting threatened by the movement of the supermarkets in. Um, we also know that there are other ways of accessing markets. So there's a program in Cape Town by Avelino um called The Harvest of Hope in which they guarantee a market for um, urban gardeners from township areas to sell into what notionally the elite market, so guaranteeing a market for that product produce and therefore keeping the gardening viable. So there's things going on. I think one of the biggest problems we have is that, in the cities at least, that there is no mandate for cities to take food security into their planning and so in the absence of that then we don't see these things like the local markets being planned we don't see um thinking about how to design new areas with with food in mind um and i guess just one final point is i'm sitting in studio looking at a a poster of the millennium development goals Mm. and the first one is eradicate extensive poverty and hunger the second is achieve universal primary education Mm. we think that without addressing hunger that then any educational gains are, are going to be lost because yeah. if you're not providing adequate nutrition to children before they get to school, their learning potential is is hugely diminished. So we think this is one of the crucial crises in the, in our country.
0: Indeed, Joe in Pretoria would like to 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 add to what we've already heard so far. Joe, hello. Hi. Yeah, hi. Welcome.
8: <coughs> Thank you, uh, Polana, I, I would like to comment on the study that was conducted by the University of. Uh, Cape Mm -hmm. it is a a good thing we appreciate it it is commendable however i would like to say that it will be very prudent you know for the generators of such studies to interact with uh, relevant departments before they go public on the outcome for example that study is indicating the current situation in the country in terms of food insecurity, but there is a missing link in terms of providing information in terms of what government is doing. I would like to add to what Dr. Mkiza was saying earlier to say, there's a myriad of programs which are going on, undertaken by government. The first responsibility of government Before I talk about that, let me start off by saying, for example, food security
7: Mm.
8: is the most important theme of the Department of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries, such that we even have a program, a branch dedicated to food security, to looking at all issues pertaining to food security. Secondly, I would like to say that there's a myriad of programs that government is running. But the first thing that is very important in coming up with initiatives for government is to create a conducive environment. And in this regard, government has already, for example, uh, developed a national food security policy. There are many other mini-policies and strategies which government uh, has up to now produced. And there are many other Dedicated, targeted food security intervention programs. I'm sure Dr. Mkise can even mention some which were initiated at the beginning of December last
0: sure. year. Sure. You know, but so, I don't see the contradiction between what you're saying, Joe, and what Dr. Jane Battersby has been saying, because Dr. Mkiza, right at the beginning, spoke about 20% uh, of the population that is vulnerable. So it is a fact that there is that much food insecurity in this country, and therefore we need to interrogate the effectiveness of the interventions, right? Yes, yes.
8: but 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 nevertheless, it is very important that... Uh, when such information is generated, hmm. it is verified by the relevant departments. That's the input that I wanted to. So, to
0: and, put and, forth. And, you know, let me ask you this though: um, uh, Do you know this from from uh, as an insider's point of view? Do you work with the department?
8: Yes, I work with the Department of Agriculture. I work with Dr. Mkieze. Okay, all
0: right, fantastic. I wanted yes. to clarify that. All right, Dr. Beresbee, do you have anything to say about Joe's input?
1: Um. Well, from the beginning, we've, we've actually fed our data back to the cities that we've worked in and held policy workshops with the cities, um, have invited representatives from the cities to come to workshops to start to think through what, what city-scale responses might be. Um, we've also started engaging with province. We've, we've yet to be able to, to engage adequately with, with national, so we welcome the opportunity to, to do that.
0: Hmm. Right, I must just say that um, uh, Hassan Logat has sent me an email uh, 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 He says We are doing food gardens but our problems Are urgent and massive And, and there's a picture of a beautiful, beautiful garden um, uh, And it's, it, Obviously it's not a lot of people That have their own gardens There was an SMS by the way that came through a while ago About uh, the, the the example of Guazulu Natal and uh, the program um, According to an SMS led by uh, Dr. William Kize Who is the premier there uh, of uh, people, uh, I'm just looking for it, because it was talking about people and uh, the encouragement of people to have their own gardens. Do you know anything about that, Dr. Mkhize?
2: Yes, Kolani. In Guazulu-Natal, they have a program called One Home, One Garden, whereby every homestead is encouraged to have a garden. Fresh vegetable garden on but, the yard,
8: sure. but, but it's again, uh,
2: The provincial government has what is called Sugama whereby every citizen is encouraged to do something wherever uh, something wrong is happening. Wherever there is an opportunity, you talk about it. You encourage people to do mm-hmm. the right thing all the time, every day. Right. Uh, so, and and. Other provinces have uh, food security production programs. Uh, you talk about Koshinla, La, almost every province has that. I think here what we need to possibly think about is every community leader, starting with councillors, uh mayors uh premiers and uh, ministers and everybody must have a sense of where the food comes from the food that is consumed be it in a ward be it in the province be it in the district be it in the local municipality that is what we need to start with you cannot have a leader who doesn't know where the food comes from, uh, comes from that mm-hmm. is
0: consumed in a world. In, in, all right. And I, I, I really do need to read these SMSs because there's so many of them and, and perhaps just get an overall feel of what pe- Rose and Durban, for instance, says, and he's raising, raising an issue that uh, a lot of other people have raised. Food is cheaper in America. Other things are more expensive, but food is cheaper. That's from Rose. Also another SMS from Yanush who says, but why is our food less expensive in Dubai than it is here in South Africa? Um, So so there are those issues that people are raising Dr. Battersby, that even our own Food, if you go elsewhere you'll find it cheaper But it's expensive for us
1: Yeah, um, unfortunately I'm not an Agricultural economist, I'm Mm. just A a lowly geographer So
0: So you wouldn't be able to respond to that But I suppose it's a point of concern, Mohammed uh, That that food locally produced Is cheaper elsewhere than it is here For us
4: Yes, uh, I think it's an issue We need to look at, but uh, I think what is critical is that uh, amongst the, the poor in this country, uh, 50% or more of what they earn goes to uh, the purchase of food, and uh, as a consequence, you know they feel the, Im- the impact of food inflation a lot more than 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 those who are.
0: More privileged. Sure. Let, let me, let me wrap up uh, by looking at this email that came through from Richard and uh, Jenny Rogers. Uh, just a very quick one. It says, my husband and I, uh, f-